Welcome to the Breaking Into Startups podcast, where we teach you how to get high-paying jobs in tech in less than a year. Happy New Year, everybody. It's January 1st, 2020. And this month's theme is New Year, New Career, featuring Keisha Lake in Atlanta, Georgia. For those of you that don't know about Keisha Lake, Keisha just got a job as a remote software engineer in Atlanta, making way above market rate in this really powerful episode. My 2020 vision for you is to download the Career Karma app today so you can connect with other people like Keisha that are getting paid to do what they love. Not only will you be able to download the app and connect with people like Keisha so that you can get paid to do what you love, but you will also be connected with a community of over 50,000 people like you that are in Atlanta and Chicago and D.C. and New York and all over the nation that are also taking control of their career and following the theme of New Year, New Career. If you want to take things to a whole another level and get one-on-one coaching, you can do that today for free as well. We don't think coaching is something that should be reserved for elite people like athletes or, or musicians or, or actors. Everybody in the world should be able to have access to a coach that knows what they're doing. And today you all can get guidance from a coach as well. This podcast episode is really emotional because Keisha's not just an engineer from the A. She's a mom. She also tried to go to college for 10 years. She also is a musician as well. She's a teacher. She has grown up in multiple places. She's had to go through a lot of financial struggles. She, she actually started Career Karma without a laptop. She started coding on her phone. And if you're going through those struggles today, I want you to pay deep attention to those details to see how she overcame all of it. If this is your first time listening to the Breaking Starters podcast, we highly encourage you to leave us feedback, positive or negative, by leaving us a review on iTunes. Or you can like our Facebook page and join our Facebook community and share your feedback there. Or if you want to take it to a whole nother level, you can send an email to me, Artur, or Timor at BreakingStarters.com. So that's Ruben, Artur, or Timor at BreakingIntoStarters.com. Because we love feedback. If you really enjoy this episode, please tell your friends. Let them know what's going on. Let them know that we're not playing this year. And let them know that in this new decade, the roaring 20s, it's time for us to all take time and break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, 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 this is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homie Archer Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Archer, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, so we're sitting here in the living room of Career Karma by the fireplace. It's um, 8 p.m. at night. And uh, we have a very special guest visiting us from Atlanta, Georgia where Ruben and I met and where it all began. So Ruben, can you please introduce the guest? Yeah, we're here with Keisha Lake. It's the last month of 2019, the end of a decade. 2020 starts in the new year. Up until today, I thought that Keisha was from Atlanta, but she's actually born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, I did hear about her from a friend in Atlanta, Georgia, 
And this story is really special because she landed a big old job way above market rate in Atlanta as a remote software engineer at a company called Stitch Fix. During this episode, we're going to talk about how she became a member of the career combo community, her whole path to get into a bootcamp and why she chose her specific bootcamp, her experience during the bootcamp and the job search on top of her actual college experience and teaching experience in life as a mother. And it's a really exciting episode. It's an emotional episode. And before getting into it, I just want to say welcome, Keisha. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're excited to have you here as well. And so everybody that downloads the Career Karma app actually starts something called the 21-Day Challenge. You actually started January 2019 this year. Yep. You got your job in November before Thanksgiving, which is something that you were praying for. We're going to talk about Mm. that in a second. (laughs) Why don't you tell the people about what the 21-Day Challenge is and what that actually means and how that helped you during this process? Yeah. So the 21-Day Challenge is meant to be really practice for getting into the tech industry. The way that I remember it being presented was that it takes 21 days to form a habit. The most important habit you need to get into this industry is networking. And so the instructions were that you would reach out to one person on your level and one person above your level every day, and then you know take a screenshot or something, do some sort of post. And I remember you guys saying that I should do it on Twitter. And I was like, ah, I hate <laughs> Twitter, but okay. And I took it very seriously. I was just like, you know what? If I can do this in 21 days... 21 days is not a long time investment. I think, you know, I'll try it. And I'm a little too chatty for Twitter's character count restrictions. So (laughs) I made a video and I, I took it very, very seriously. I reached out to one person on my level and above my level every day. And it was really helpful because I was able to kind of make friends with people and share struggles with people who were doing exactly what I was doing and also get encouragement from people and advice from people who were, you know, at the next level, which at the time was just in boot camp. Yeah. And so, you know, now Career Karma has an app with over 50,000 people that's productized what you're talking about. But when you were on Career Karma, there was actually no app. It was just Twitter and it was a document. And that video that you're referring to, I'm actually going to play so people can hear <laughs> what you actually said on that, that yeah. day. And this is January 2019, <laughs> right? So yeah. let, me, let me start that one more time. Yes, January 2019. Hey, guys. Powerful episode. So now we see in Rose Code, Keisha, for those people that don't know, also goes by Rose. And so what's interesting about that video when I first saw it before we talked on the phone is that you didn't even know what a developer was. Nope. You were coding <laughs> on your phone. You didn't have a laptop. Yeah. Right. So right. You know, walk us through um, kind of like your journey in general, because I know you were looking at boot camps, you were exploring, you know, kind of like this beginning stage. Yeah. So initially, it's, I had two friends mention coding in some fashion or another within like 48 hours. And I don't really believe in coincidences. So I was like, I'm going to do some research and kind of see what it is. And I talked to some people. I was like, okay, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to jump in and see, you know, what this is, what it means, if it's going to work for me. And prior to this, there was like this decision that I always had to make in my head. Do I want to make money or do I want to do something that I love? And 
it was an easier decision before I got married and had kids, you know, and then after that, it was like, I just, I don't want my kids to suffer. I don't want, I want to be able to provide a certain lifestyle for them, a certain education for them. And that meant money. And so I was really right around the time I discovered coding and career karma, I was in the middle of selling my soul to be a nurse. It was something I knew I didn't want to do, but I knew would pay and pay consistently and give me benefits. And it was the only thing I thought was available to me. So once I kind of joined Career Karma and Ruben suggested, oh, you know, do some free courses online and see. And I I kind of fell for it. I was like, oh, man, I'm actually really well suited to this. Things that I thought were like flaws in my personality turned out to be like real hardcore assets as a developer. But aside from that, I mean, I couldn't even figure out how to get my laptop hooked up to the TV screen with an HDMI cable. You yeah. know what I mean, I knew nothing. And I didn't really care what to call it. I just wanted to see if it would be something that I could love and would pay me. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it turned into. So I just kind of jumped yeah. in. And when you started learning, like a lot of people make up excuses like, oh, like I don't have enough time. Like you didn't even have a laptop, right? You were just no. doing it on your phone so, on the way to work. <laughs> so funny story about my laptops. Um, <laughs> so my son poured water. My son is three. He poured water on my husband's laptop. And then he stepped on mine. So the screen was completely cracked and damaged. (laughs) But at the time, I was working at a clinic here in Atlanta. And I had a really long commute to work. It's about an hour and a half on the bus and the train, freezing cold. And I was like, whatever. There are apps for this. Mm -hmm. This is 2019. I'm going to use my freaking phone. And we'll figure it out. And so I would you know, code or read about it online. When I would take bathroom breaks at the clinic, instead of scrolling through my phone, it was like going through learning apps and figuring out JavaScript. And eventually, you know, that got frustrating, but I was just like, you know, I'm going to see if this will work. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just going to see if it'll work. And eventually I'll get a laptop. It's impossible for me to not get one eventually. Yeah. And and given that this is a a New Year's episode and you touched a little bit on the fact that you were initially thinking about going for nursing and you were doing things for other people and kind of like selling your soul for money. Yeah. You were repeating a mantra to yourself over and over and over again. What was that mantra that you started repeating to yourself in January? So my New Year's resolution for 2019 was me first. I remember the end of December, my class for my prereq for nursing did not go the way I wanted it to. I didn't have the support that I needed um, from the community around me to really do as well as I wanted to. And I remember I was really angry with God. And I was like, you know, you said that whatsoever a man sow with that also shall he reap. And I didn't sow this. So why am I reaping it? And Jesus, you know, hit me with the clap back and was like, uh, you have always sowed that other people are a priority. <laughs> you have never sowed that you are a priority. So for 2019, I was like, you know, all right, fine. I'll sow something else. This year will be me first. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because as I was making the decision, you know, should I do nursing or should I try this? That really came up for me like, okay, well, this would probably be really intense. It might be difficult on other people. Nursing is a sure thing or felt like a sure thing at the very least because I know about it. My family knows about it. But I'm going to do that me first thing Mm -hmm. because you just committed just like yesterday. It ain't even been a month yet. You just (laughs) said me first. So let's take that chance and see what happens. And it's been interesting because this year I've had an overwhelming amount of support. Yeah. So I really got that karma. (laughs) (laughs) I really got that karma come back to me this year. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. And so you started doing some of the prep courses. Mm -hmm. You went through the 21 days. You followed it to the T. And then you actually had like offers from not just one bootcamp, but four bootcamps. And you put up a, a video about that. So can you talk about all four of those boot camps and why you chose Flatiron? Absolutely. So initially, 
So the four boot camps that I applied to were Lambda and Think4, the online schools, and then Digital Crafts and Flatiron School. Those were the four. Um, initially, I went to a demo day at Digital Crafts. I met and made friends there that I'm still friends with now. And I was so impressed with their projects. Oh my God. I was like, I cannot believe that in 15 weeks that they were able to do this. It felt like magic. I was like, <laughs> there's like sorcery involved here. <laughs> and, you know, online, a lot of the reviews said that, you know, that they were the best boot camp in Atlanta. And so I was really kind of obsessed with them. And I told Ruben and for the for the first time, because he did it again later, he told me not to put all my eggs in one basket and to apply <laughs> for as many schools as possible. And so I applied for Lambda School and I was doing Lambda's pre-work anyway. So I did like their teaching style. Um, I applied for Thinkful and Flatiron School. But I knew that Lambda and Thinkful were not my top choices. I do not do well in online programs. Um, I really wanted a physical instructor that I could ask questions and that I could interrupt a lecture and ask a question and get that question answered. But I put them on my list anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and I applied there. Thinkful was on my list because Thinkful offers a mentorship program. So I was like, well, that's better than just online. At least mm -hmm. I'll have a person whose digital coattails I can pull on. Mm -hmm. And then Flatiron School had an immersive program mm -hmm. in addition to their online program. Um, so I applied to all four of them. I did interviews for them. I think it was like, I think I did all four interviews within two or three days mm -hmm. and got preliminary acceptances from all of them within like 24 hours. And I was like, oh shit, now I have decisions to make, you know? <laughs> and Flatiron School does this like two day weekend boot camp where they teach you the basics of Ruby in those two days. And at the end of it, you take a coding challenge. And if you pass it, then it stands in the place of your technical assessment. When I went there for those two days, I met my instructors, I met some of the TCFs, I met some other students, and I fell in love with their teaching style. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with the environment, the vibe there, mm -hmm. the energy. It felt like a classroom I wanted to be in, which was a big deal because mm -hmm. classrooms kind of give me PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, okay, I think I want to go here. Yeah. And I didn't, I still submitted my tech assessment for Lambda. Mm -hmm. um, I still finished the interview process with the other schools and mm -hmm. got those complete acceptances. I filled out ISA mm -hmm. applications for all of those other places mm -hmm. anyway, mm -hmm. you know, because Ruben said so. <laughs> yeah. But at that point, I kind of knew yeah. that and, it was going to be flat iron. And can you tell the people why it's important to explore multiple schools? Yeah, because you don't really know what you want. Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted digital crafts. Mm -hmm. That was, They were my first choice after going to that school, but you don't really know what you want. I mean, you don't know what resources are entirely available to you until you start making mm. those comparisons. Yeah. So, you know, for example, I applied for ISA agreements to all of them. I only got approved for Lambda. That's mm. how bad my credit is, guys. Mm. You know, <laughs> I only got approved for Lambda. So I knew yeah. that push come to shove, if these options don't work out, rather than waiting for them to fail and then seeking other options, I have all my options lined up, all my ducks are in a row. And if this one falls through, then yeah. I've got a backup plan here. And if this one falls through, then I've got a backup plan. And you have no idea what the universe has laid out for you, what opportunities are going to open mm. up, what doors are going to open up. If you just like trust the process exactly. and just yeah. hit everything, yeah. you yeah. know, don't really don't trust what you think you want. You yeah. know, it's like kids like you don't know what you, you don't know what you want. Exactly. You, know? exactly. <laughs> you don't really know. <laughs> yeah. So you, you trusted the process. You went through it. You explored. You decided on going to Flatiron. But then you ran into another roadblock. Uh, yeah. And we talked mm -hmm. about laptops and things like that. And you did something very special. You did. I mean, before this, you were actually documenting the entire story, not just the yeah. positive, the ups and downs, which I think was beautiful. But you did something special that a lot of people will do, which is you ran a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. So can you talk about why you needed to do that in the specific roadblock that you ran into when you got accepted? Yeah. So 
my the program that I applied for, the start date was supposed to be April 22nd. And at this point, it was like February. Right. So my thought was that I was not going to need to have any money for anything until at least April 1st. That was my mindset. That would have been after I got my tax refund. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I figured I had time. But then come to find out that once you get accepted, you have seven days to put a deposit down. Mm -hmm. So I got accepted on Wednesday which means I needed to have $1,000 by the following Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I did, I actually reached out to a friend of mine who was in marketing before. Mm -hmm. She made a complete career switch into neuroscience. Mm -hmm. She did a crowdfunding campaign and raised like $25,000 for tuition to go to Cambridge. And I asked her if I should do a crowdfunding campaign and she told me no. She said that crowdfunding was a bad idea because it is not as novel now as it was at the time and that you pretty much need to have cancer or have a baby with cancer in order to get any kind of money or out of Or be part of career karma. <laughs> or be part of career karma. <laughs> right. So initially that wasn't my thought. I reached out to Ruben and I was like, hey, you know, I got to come up with money in like a week for my deposit, at least for the program to hold my seat. And he was like, you need to do a GoFundMe. And I was like, fuck it. All right. Let's do, you know? All right. Let's do it. And it was really interesting because I, I think we talked on Wednesday night or Thursday morning, something mm-hmm. like that. And Ruben gave me this long list of instruction for things that I needed. I couldn't just post the GoFundMe with a long paragraph for people to read. I needed a video. And I'm like, okay, I haven't retwisted my locks. What am I going to wear? Am I going to do makeup or not? So many things like went through my head and I started doing videos and I got, it was like this weird feeling of nervousness about just posting it. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to Ruben and I was like, hey, I'm going to send you this. Tell me what you think. Long list of instructions come back. Change this. Say this. Do this. <laughs> mention this. Mention this person so you can tag them. And I was like, all right, let's do it. You know, so I changed the video. I sit the back. Change this. Do this. Change this. Mention this. And change the video. Right. And then sometimes it was like, oh, you know, the lighting sucks. I dropped my phone in the middle of the video. You know, too much of my forehead is showing. I should put my hat down a little bit. You know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I think Friday night. Mind you, at this point, I'm kind of freaking out because I still only have a week to come up with money and it's taking me like two days to put together a video. But Ruben and I were up until about two o'clock in the morning making Mm -hmm. changes, like down to the point where I typed up the message that I was going to attach to the video on Twitter and sent that to Ruben. And he changed that like five times (laughs) and eventually was like, I'm going to fix it and send it to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And by that point, it's like two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, I'm not going to post this video at two o'clock in the morning. Nobody's going to see it. And Twitter, I mean, the life, lifetime on Twitter is really, really short. Yeah. Um, so I said, I'm going to wait until the morning. And at the time, I was still working at the clinic. On Saturday morning, I have to be at work at 5.45 in the morning. And I was like, I'm going to post it in the morning. So I went into work. I posted it just before my shift started at 6 o'clock. And I just started my shift. Mm-hmm. I put my phone in the file room. And I just started my shift. And by the time I came out at lunch, I had passed my goal. Boom. I was in the parking lot crying years. And I posted a very teary eyed video on Twitter <laughs> telling people, thank you. And by the time I got off work, I had doubled, doubled my goal. I mean, wow. after, after that, I mean, even before that, your, the emotion that you captured in the videos, the rawness of your videos. And this is a, a, a newsflash for anybody. If you want to follow Keisha's journey, literally just click the media tab on her Twitter. It's what? C-Rose Code? C-Rose. I think it's at Keisha Lake. K-E-S-H-A-L-A-K-E. Yeah. But if you search C-Rose Code, I'm the only thing that comes up. Her, her <laughs> videos go more viral than my videos because of the honesty <laughs> and the energy of it. And, and you doubled your goal. So you got there. And then what happened after that? So there's a, first of all, the, the irony of doubling my goal is that the deposit for tuition is $1,000 if you plan to pay out of pocket. This was pocket. at that time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The deposit is $1,000 if you plan to pay out of pocket. 
if you're going to do the ISA program, the deposit is actually $2,000. And I remember um, Ruben was like, all right, so what's next? And I said, okay, well, you know, I've got the $1,000. I'm going to use, really, I need to use the other $1,000 to get a laptop. And Ruben was like, why? Like, why? We're sending you a laptop. And I, you know, I'm crying because at this point I had already received a laptop mm-hmm. for free from somebody through Career Karma. Timor put me in a, in a meeting, in a group chat and was like, hey, meet Narando. And I met up with Narando and he gave me a laptop and yeah. then I got another free laptop. You yeah. know, it was like And with like just for folks who are like maybe new to Career mm-hmm. Karma, like we're all about people helping people. So yes. this is not like like Career Karma just uh, giving away laptops is members on Career members Karma. Members in Career Karma. Yeah. yeah. Who might, might have an extra old laptop that they're not using. Yep. They Matter share resources. Fact, the first time when I told my husband I was getting a free laptop, he was like, why is this dude Ruben buying you laptops? I said, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> calm down. Ruben's not buying me a laptop. <laughs> Somebody's giving me their old raggedy laptops. I'm like, calm down. <laughs> Even the second one, I was like, these are donations. This thing already has stickers on it. I promise. Like... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But it it really was the community. Like, Narando didn't know me from anybody at the Mm -hmm. time. And when I met him, I found out that we were actually both starting Flatiron School on the same day. Amazing. And that he lived within five minutes of my house and was willing to pick me up and take me to school. I was like, I'm not even in school and God already got me a ride. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It was great. So it was meant to be. Yeah, it was was meant to be. But it was also like the community Mm -hmm. that everyone in the community was going through something similar and yep. was willing to help me get to that level. Mm-hmm. Which should be a PSA for anybody. If anybody's coming into career karma trying to get a job as a software engineer, it doesn't matter whether you have a laptop or if you have bad credit, if you don't even have housing. Like There's literally a way, there's zero obstacles. If you want to do this, we'll help you out and keep listening to Keisha's story so you guys can learn more. So Narando helped you out. You got mm-hmm. the laptop. We sent you the laptop. The reason we knew Yes. We could get send you a laptop because we knew someone in the community that could get you one. Yes. So so now you're at this place. Then what happened? Yeah. So there was a guy working in admissions who literally like Flatiron School, you were technically only supposed to qualify for one scholarship, whichever the scholarship that gives you the most. So there's a guy in admissions who believed in what I was doing from nothing other than me harassing him on the phone. I mean, he got to the point where I'd call and he'd be like, hey, Keisha, you know. <laughs> and so he stacked like three scholarships on there. So I Amazing. was... That knocked off like $3,000 worth of my tuition. Flatiron's roughly 15K. I had the 2,000. I could use all of it because I didn't need that. I applied for the ISA and got rejected. Mm -hmm. I applied for the ISA and got rejected. And this was like, by this point, it's like two weeks from when the program is supposed to start. So time has passed. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there is no way that I am going to get $10,000 in two weeks. It's not going to happen. It's, I mean, it's just not. I'm, I was looking at it and I'm look, looking at, you know, what I filed for my taxes last year. And I'm like, this is just, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I don't have that. I don't have it. My daddy don't have it. You know, my friends ain't got, like, I don't have that kind of money. And I remember a friend and I were sitting and talking about, you know, finances and how we were going to pay for it. And I made a Twitter video that I never posted. And I was just like, I am not going to let something as flimsy as money get in my way. Mm-hmm. Money can be ripped like I am stronger than money. I'm physically bigger than I could step over money. I can stand on money. <laughs> money can't hurt me aside from a paper cut. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm not letting something as flimsy as money get in my way. Mm-hmm. And I remember I put Avi, Avi's the founder of Flatiron School. I put him on notice. He doesn't know it because I never posted the video, but I put him on notice that he was going to have to save my seat. I don't care what you put down for how I'm paying for the tuition. <laughs> I don't have somebody's paying for it. You can put whatever you want, but save my seat because I'm going to be in class on the 22nd. And even if you stack the money from floor to ceiling, I'm just going to push the stack over (laughs) and sit down in my seat 
and learn how to code. I'm being class on 422. <laughs> so you, you know what I mean? And then I, I put in my two weeks notice at the job. I had no idea how I was going to pay for it. And a friend of mine who was supposed to do it with me, she stopped. She was like, you know, I'm just not going to have the money to, to cover my finances in the meantime. And so, you know, I'm going to have to put this on hold. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm sorry about that. You know, oh, that sucks. But that ain't gonna be me. <laughs> That's not gonna be me. I'm, I'm going to class, you know. When I put my husband on standby, I was like, "Hey, so you gonna have to hold it down for about 15 weeks because I'm gonna be in this boot camp." And I was like, "I'm doing the immersive program. I want Monday through Friday, nine to six. I don't want to do part time." The interesting thing too is that the part time hours were the same as part time hours I had done in school before, mm-hmm. and I knew it wasn't gonna work. I was like, I don't have childcare for that. That's not going to work. And all of a sudden, my band started getting a weekly gig that would allow me to pay for childcare. Amazing. So I was like, I'm doing it. I don't know how it's going to work out. <laughs> Someone reached out to me. They knew what was going on with Flatiron School. I didn't get approved for my ISA. They knew that. They knew I didn't have the money. And they reached out to me and was like, oh, I'm just going to loan it to you. Wow. And I'm like, huh? What you mean? <laughs> <laughs> what you mean? You're just going to, I'm just going to loan it to you. $10,000. I'm just going to give it to you. Wow. And they were like, put it on a payment plan and I'll send you the money so that you can make the money, so that you can make the payment on time. And every time they sent me the money, they sent me more than they were supposed to. So I was actually able to pay up six months worth of rent. I didn't have to worry about a laptop because I had one and I had a ride from Narondo and I just went. It was like a free ride. That's amazing. You know, I just, I I just went. It just worked out. It's a blessing. I mean, you stepped out on faith and Mm -hmm. things started working out Mm -hmm. and you weren't going to let anything stop you. So you're in the program. Finances are covered. You're good. What was the experience during the program? Because you mentioned that it's called a boot camp for a reason. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it could be stressful. People it's drop out of boot camp. So talk to people, like bring people into the psychology of being in a boot camp and what it takes to stand, start and finish a program. So starting is definitely easier than finishing. When you don't know, when you don't really know what you're up against, it's really easy to walk in positive. It's hard to maintain that positivity when you get thrown information that you have, you have no idea what you're looking at. And it's really, really important how you speak to yourself and to decide ahead of time whether or not you're going to quit. Did you have daily affirmations? Yes, sort of. Yes. <laughs> so I wouldn't even call it daily affirmations. I'd regular. There's one thing that I constantly told myself that I've been telling myself for a while, which is that fear is the enemy, mm-hmm. right? Fear is the enemy and she must be defeated, mm-hmm. right? So... If you're afraid, you should do it. And if you got a better reason than fear, then all right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. That might be wisdom. But if you're afraid, then that's different. And the other thing I would tell myself is, yeah, we'll quit mm-hmm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And every day I just be like, yeah, 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 we'll quit tomorrow. We'll quit tomorrow. It didn't, and then not only that, but it's like, it, it doesn't really matter if I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I'm here. It's paid for. I'm going to try. And if mm-hmm. I fail, I fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you attitude know? is a huge factor in this journey. Mm-hmm. And like I think something that stood out to us when we first saw your video was just like your positive attitude and your confidence that like zero's code like this is not like I'm not gonna like I'm gonna finish this 21 day challenge like, I'm gonna learn what the software engineers are and I'm gonna do this <laughs> zero's code and we just there was like zero doubt in your mind that you were gonna learn how to code which is super impressive and also like that's the type of mindset that kind of like the goal of the 21 day challenge is to actually encourage people to build that confidence by connecting with other people mm-hmm. and realizing that they're no different than you. Even people that are in boot camps or right. people in their first jobs, 
like they're just people like anyone else you know they just stayed positive and persistent with yeah. their goal and you mentioned that someone inspired your journey who was also a teacher yeah can you just give her a shout out yeah absolutely so when i when i started with career karma one of the first episodes that they one of the first breaking into startup episodes that they recommend that you watch was Iris Nevins. And she used to be a teacher and now she's at MailChimp. And I was like, oh man, I didn't even finish watching the episode the first time I watched it. I just watched part of it. And I was like, oh man, I want to be on her level. Like one of these days I'm going to be brave enough. I'm going to ask her to be my mentor. And, <laughs> and you know, and that'll work out. And the crazy thing was right around the time that I started my job search, this is, you know, at the end of my boot camp. I mean, she actually advertised that she was starting a mentorship program. So I jumped onto that and I actually missed the first deadline and I sent her an email and was like, I want to be included. And she was like, oh my God, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, um, and so I met with her every Monday night, uh, me, her and a few other people. Um, and, and she really became a support system to help mm -hmm. me stay positive during the job search, help me keep in mind um, what I deserve, what I'm worthy of and not to accept less than that. Because, you know, you, you hit another set of imposter syndrome once mm -hmm. you get into job search. I mean, so I definitely want to shout out Iris yeah. Nevins. And I remember when Iris was breaking in, her story was actually pretty similar to yours mm -hmm. in terms of just hitting one roadblock after another, like running low on yes. like finances yes. on being mm -hmm. rejected from a boot or being accepted and then rejected from a school. And I think since we've seen hundreds of people, maybe even like thousands of people do boot camps, Every story is different, but every story is the same in terms of just being able to push through roadblocks. Mm -hmm. And we always say, like, if you can go through the front door, go around it or yeah. Like yeah. jump over it. But yeah, there's always, if you want to do it, there's always a way. And yeah. Iris was one of the first community members that were just like, I'm going to do this. And like, no one is going to stop me. She ended up doing a boot camp, getting an amazing job in tech. And we knew that that story is going to inspire so many people after her. And you basically became like that yeah. the person that like took it on. And it's amazing with your story now, like how many more people that will inspire yeah. to yeah. bring the tech. I actually shouted her out in my in my GoFundMe video yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 And that was before I'd ever yeah. met yeah. her at all. And I think she helped edit one of my blog posts. Mm, that's yeah. right. So yeah, I had yeah. like kind of a little bit of contact yeah. there as well. Yeah. But and that's a good, yeah. good segue because I was going to talk about how for the people that don't know that are listening to this episode, you might have heard other episodes on the podcast, of, specifically the FFT squad. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that is the episode. So you started this journey with someone mm -hmm. that didn't stay with you, but you ended up finding another group. Yeah. Archer, Timor, and I, who started Career Karma, started off as a group. And we talk about how relationships matter. You had somebody that came yes. in that helped you out. Mm -hmm. You had a group of people that held you down. Mm -hmm. And you've been documenting this entire story. Before talking about FFT squad, can you touch on... Imposter syndrome, which is the word that you mentioned, mm -hmm. and then why your squad helped you overcome some of the lows that you had yeah. and then kind of start going into your lows. So imposter syndrome is this idea that, that there's a mistake, that you that nobody knows that you don't really belong in this space. I mean, it's a feeling of not belonging, like, eh, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not smart enough, not whatever enough to be here. And I'm really familiar with it. I've I've changed my major several times. I've tried new things several times. I've entered new spaces several times. And so for me, being an imposter, it's not imposter syndrome. It's like beginner syndrome. Like this is what it feels like to be new at mm -hmm. something. And that feeling doesn't really go away. It's the only consistent thing about life is change. And every time you get outside of your comfort zone, you feel like you don't belong there. Yep. But if you sit there long enough, you'll start to feel more like you belong. Mm -hmm. 
And so that was a big deal for me. And having having a squad really, really helps with the reminder that you do belong, with the reminder that it is just imposter syndrome. There was a day when all of my hats were falling off. The mom hat was falling off. The wife hat was falling off and the student hat was falling off. And then when all the hats were off and it was just me, it was like my hair was looking crazy that day. It was everything. (laughs) (laughs) It really was. And I jumped in to our group chat with the squad. And, you know, it wasn't just that I got support. I got the support that I needed, Mm -hmm. you know, because some people were, you know, you can do it, queen. You know, Mm -hmm. don't don't worry about it. You can do it. And then someone was like, bitch, if you don't put your hair in a ponytail and go to class, (laughs) you can't if you don't get back out there and do it. I got that swift kick in the butt. But having that support is also having a place to belong because they also have imposter syndrome. And so there are days when I'm like, wow, you know, if Greg doesn't feel like he belongs and Greg is like, I don't know if y'all know, but he's a master teacher. Mm -hmm. He can teach stuff as he's learning it, you know. Um, if Greg doesn't feel like he belongs, then hell, none of us belong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it was really important to have those people. And, and not only that, but it's important to know too that I met all of those, everyone in FFT, I met them during the 21 day challenge. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. when those introductions started. I was, yeah. ta- matter of fact, I was really offended that they started FFT and I wasn't invited. I'm like, I know all of you. Yeah. So how did y'all form a little squad? And I'm yeah. not in your squad. And they were, well, you know, everybody. And we thought you were in a squad already. And, you know, excuses, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, nowadays, like we actually, because of success of FFT squad, yeah. we've productized it. So now we have over 500 squads on Career Karma. That's awesome. Where you could join like Moms to Code, Dads to Code. That's color code gray, right? It's so so important. It's so so important to have those like-minded individuals with you who understand what you're going through and are willing to support you and gives you the opportunity to support them. That's so, and we, I mean, almost every night we had a study session Mm -hmm. and it was interesting because we're all, we represent different coding boot camps. I'm flat iron. There's a lot of Lambda in there. There's Thinkful in there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we yeah, exactly. (laughs) Everything is in there. And so we were really able to help each other and see similarities in our code and be like, oh, so that's kind of like this. And they're like, I don't know, maybe sure. (laughs) You know? And so even with that, it was really important to us because, you know, you might know JavaScript better than I do. Mm-hmm. You know, you might know React hooks better than I do. And so you get to feel like the experts. So you do belong because mm-hmm. I don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. But then when mm-hmm. I talk about Ruby, you don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. You know, so you really get to to do it. And that's important because I knew mm-hmm. a lot of people in boot camps who did not have support. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the boot camp ate them alive. Yep. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it swallowed and them can up. Can you talk a little bit about like some of the um, people you've seen, like, I guess, drop out or some of yeah. the reasons for why people struggle during the boot camp? And what advice do you have for other people that might be struggling? So there were a couple of things. There were people who simply did not believe that they could do it. Mm -hmm. That imposter syndrome kind of took like a virus and just spread. And they just didn't believe that they can do it. And and don't get me wrong. Everybody gets to that point where they're Mm -hmm. just like, I can't. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was a time where my own self-talk got in my way and I failed a coding challenge. And my TCF was like, I told you not to talk to yourself like that. But then there were people who didn't have any support. There was no Mm -hmm. one... You know, your friends and family don't understand because Mm -hmm. they don't understand why you're in class for 45 hours a week and still got to come home and study. You know, (laughs) they don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to them and they can't help you. And then you show them your projects and they're like, oh, that's all it does. And it's like, you know what? I'm never showing you a project ever again. You know, so that's not helpful. Having support would have definitely helped people like that. 
on the flip side, you know, there were people who were, you know, more visual learners or they needed more time. And for those people, I would say that it's really important to consider what boot camp you go to. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, Lambda has excellent outcomes mm-hmm. in terms of like how many of their students land jobs mm-hmm. better than Flatiron. Mm-hmm. Like, I think their percentages are like 98 or 99 percent, something like that when I was looking at it. Um, and Flatiron is like right at 94, 95%. And I could have been like, oh man, I'm going to go to Lambda, but I know I don't do well in online classes. Mm-hmm. For people who are like visual learners or you need assistance, like Thinkful is a great option. Thinkful mm-hmm. gives you a mentor, someone mm-hmm. who's going to hold your hand, give you more one-on-one attention. And you can't just jump into a boot camp. Oh, your friend is going to that one and you heard it was good. You got to do some research, go meet people, go talk to them, mm-hmm. go to their, you know, demo days or graduation days or, you know, weekend workshops if they have them. And make sure that this is the right environment for your learning style so that you can maximize your success. Yeah. That way you're not in a program that you just drop thousands of dollars that you don't have on yeah. only to, yeah. you know, flunk out, not really through a fault of your own, but just through yeah. not, yeah. not good planning. What did the education experience in the bootcamp compared to in the pre-chat? You mentioned that you spent 10 years yep. switching majors in a kind of like traditional college. How does a bootcamp compare to like traditional education? Okay. So, you know, college is hard and boot camp is hard. So, I mean, there's that, but boot camp was, is completely revolutionized my attitude towards school. School in college literally gave me PTSD. There was a time where I would go to class and could not make myself go in the building. I'd sit outside on the floor and cry because I couldn't make myself go to class. Mm-hmm. I love learning mm-hmm. and I'm an educator, but I couldn't go to class. Whereas in boot camp, I wanted to go every day. And as an educator, I feel like the primary reason for that is that the focus in bootcamp is completely shifted, mm-hmm. especially for tech, right? So in school, it's get a good grade, learn the information, regurgitate the information, memorize it however you have to. In bootcamp, the focus is on understanding and you almost worship your mistakes, like you're hunting for the next mm-hmm. error. Okay. Oh, so you got an error. Great. What can we learn from that error? Mm. Oh, what does the error say? Where do we need to go to find the mistake and <laughs> fix it? And you get to the point where you were literally sitting at your desk like, oh, I got a new error. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got a new error message. Oh, I haven't seen this screen before. Mind you, nothing is working, but I haven't seen this screen before. And you're excited because you feel like you're making progress. Yeah. And I mean, there were times where I'd be frustrated and I'd go to my lead instructor like, you know, I'm not getting it. The coding challenge is like, in two days. And he'd be like, you know, don't worry about the challenge. Don't worry about the assessment. You got to learn to code the thing. Mm -hmm. The important thing is for you to understand how this works. And I mean, I got stuck. I got stuck on an error for like four days. Mm -hmm. Four days. (laughs) How'd that make you feel? Like the scum of the earth. Was that when you made that video about (laughs) Ruby? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Talk about that video. (laughs) Ruby and I initially had a very love-hate relationship. And Ruby is a coding coding language. language. (laughs) Ruby is not a person. Ruby is is bae right now, though. You know what I'm saying? Ruby is bae. But Ruby is a coding language. We had a love-hate relationship at first. I just felt like like she didn't like me. You know what I'm saying? I type the line of code. Someone else comes in, types the same freaking lines, and she runs for them and won't run for me. You know what I'm and I, I, I got stuck on that, 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 that error for like four days and couldn't figure it out. And I remember my, my lead instructor was like, the next time you see this error, you will know what to do. Um. He was not phased by the fact that I did not understand. Mm -hmm. He was not phased by the fact that I wasn't getting it. And that was a comfort. You don't really get that a lot from your college professors or even even from your regular instructors. And 
and like I've taught, I've taught science, I've taught math, and I taught piano. And and there was a difference in teaching music versus teaching in an academic setting. And I feel like boot camps are closer to teaching music. Yeah. Where, you know, I would tell my students, you know, the real professional musicians, they play past their mistakes. They oh, almost yeah. act like it didn't happen. Oh, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, because oh, yeah. you can't stop the whole song. And I tell them, so don't get left behind. The music mm. will move on without you. Mm, you know, so you have to keep going. You cannot stop there. Mm-hmm. Or I tell them, so that was hot, stinky trash. Let's see if we can play it worse. Mm-hmm. You know, let's mm-hmm. see if we can miss all the notes. What do mm-hmm. you think? Mm-hmm. And I think boot camp is a little closer to that. They'd be like, oh, let's see if we can break it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so it's it's really difficult, but the hardest part of boot camp is understanding the information. It's mm-hmm. not politics. It's not homework. It's not time management even, although I think that's a part of it, being a successful coder, but it's not time management. The hardest part is being okay with making mistakes yeah. and being okay with being flawed. Yeah. And that that was like yeah. revolutionary for yeah. me. I love that you t- touched a lot of the highs and the lows. You also made a video about... Um, the importance of rest. And you mentioned the Sabbath and um, yeah. you, and talk about that. So I was born and raised Adventist. Adventists hold very, very, very closely to pretty much everything the Bible talks about, like from what you should eat all the way down to when you should worship. And one of the big things is that they believe that the seventh day of every week, you should take a day off, right? The God took a day off during creation. You should take one too, right? From sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. And last year, When I started working at the clinic, it was the first time in my life that I ever worked a job on Sabbath, ever. And it was painful. I missed church for a long time, months and months and months. And I felt, I felt that I was missing my day off. I could feel the difference in my body, in my mindset. And I knew that if I was going to take on something this big, that I needed to give my brain that rest, my spirit that rest. And so I set a rule for myself when I started boot camp, that I would not code on Sabbath, that I would not touch it, would not look at it. And that was a painful rule to keep up with because mm-hmm. you constantly feel behind mm-hmm. when you're in boot camp. I mean, they give you more information than you can handle kind of mm-hmm. on purpose, mm-hmm. you know, but every single Friday when I left boot camp, I didn't touch anything for coding again until Sunday morning. And what would happen is things that I couldn't understand on Friday, I could understand again on Sunday. That's awesome. That's awesome. I would take that break and I would under, and by Sunday morning, it was like my brain had all of the rest that it needed and I was rejuvenated and ready to go again. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So you got through the boot camp, you got to the job search. Talk about the job search experience. <laughs> job search is worse than boot camp. <laughs> job, job search is way worse than boot camp. So as much as I thought rest was important, I didn't listen to anybody who told me to take a break. <laughs> I finished boot camp August 2nd. That was Friday. By the 5th on Monday, I went back to work. Mm-hmm. I went back to work at the clinic. I was like, I got to bring money into my house. And Ruben had told me, you had told me like before I finished mm-hmm. that the job search is a job. Mm-hmm. And it's it's 40 hours a week. And I was already giving 25 to 30 hours away Mm -hmm. to the clinic. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, we got like 10 to 15 hours (laughs) to make this happen. And it is brutal. The imposter syndrome comes right back. Mm -hmm. It hits you again because it was like, okay, well, I thought I was a halfway decent coder. Now I don't know. (laughs) You know, now I don't know if I'm if I'm good enough to land a job, if my personality is right, if I'm even going to get past the first round interviews, am I, am I typing these emails up correctly? Am I reaching out to the, who should I be? First of all, who should I even be applying to? <laughs> you know, which companies? You, Ruben told me to make a list of a hundred companies that I, a hundred different companies that I wanted to apply for. 
and I wanted to just list the same company 99 times. <laughs> and initially I did, actually. Did. Yeah, there was one company I wanted to put all my eggs in their basket and Ruben told me not to. And the first iteration of that list had like four companies and then that company like 96 times. I was like, if I send this to Ruben, he's going to cuss me out. (laughs) But even then, I eventually just went on LinkedIn and just started copy and pasting. You don't even know where you want to work or what you're looking for. And Iris actually really helped. One of her sessions really helped helped us key in on what kind of company do you want to work for? What Mm -hmm. is important to you? Write that Mm -hmm. out. That along with Ruben telling me to you know, rank these companies. This is a tier one company, a tier two company, or a tier three company. And I, you know, I, I, I failed beautifully on um, <laughs> my first sets of interviews. And it felt like a whole separate skill set that I needed to develop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But going back to searching for mistakes, after you failed those technical interviews, you actually started making some cool videos about like failing the technical interviews or even having the technical interviews to come. I don't remember specifically, but you had a few of them that were related to the job search that kind of like showed your progression. Can you talk about like the experience failing your first technical and what you learned and how it taught you what you didn't know that helped you get ready for even Stitch Fix that led to the intro to Mana and all this other stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So the first interview that I absolutely bombed, I mean, it was laughable how bad it was. It was really, really bad. But one of the things that I pulled out of it was that I had to be more relaxed. I psyched myself out in that interview. And then there was another interview where I sent in a technical assessment. And in the technical assessment, I could probably have passed it. I mean, there were like four green lights I needed to get, four Mm -hmm. tests I needed to pass. The only one I passed was if there's no input, you shouldn't get any output. And I don't think that one counts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that one counts. And then afterward, I realized, oh, it wants the output in a certain format. Mm -hmm. If I had trusted that I know something, instead of just assuming my code was wrong and asked more questions and been more confident and been a little more, you know, just relaxed, I might have actually gotten more tests to pass. And it really taught me that I needed to calm down and be myself Mm -hmm. and just relax and go into the interview and be yourself Mm -hmm. in the in the in the interview process, especially on the technical side and ask questions and be really be the same way that I was in boot camp, inquisitive and creative and playful and you know funny yeah. if I if and, I want to you've be. never been the type of person to hold yourself back. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of weird that you would. <laughs> but but that imposter syndrome was there. Yeah. I was like, oh man, this is a question I've never seen before. I don't know if I can do it. I don't yeah. know. You know? And I think what's cool about boot camps and I think Flyer does pair programming, right? Yes. For a yep. lot of Every your sprints. Mm-hmm. So even though like there's a lot of things you're learning in the boot camp that you don't even under, like realize you're learning and being able to pair program with someone and like you mentioned like joke around or yeah. being relaxed yeah. or talking about coding as it's like a small talk about coding like yeah. you're discussing movies you know being able to capture that and bring that into an interview and if you're calm and confident that like radiates from you and the interviewer can see it so it's kind of like there's some magic in that and there's a lot of magic there. like do a really good job kind of helping students embody that so after a few failures like you mentioned like and i remember i bombed a number of interviews where i was just like psyching myself out or yeah. being too nervous and the ones that i actually did great in what well, i was relaxed i was myself i treated them like another person not as someone who is above me or yes, yeah. um, someone who is watching my every move you know yeah, that was like a, a major switch for me as well just realizing like the, the interviews are people mm-hmm. and i'm good at people Mm, you yep. know, mm-hmm. I'm like, but they're they're humans. Mm-hmm. If the joke is funny enough, they'll laugh, yep. <laughs> you yep. know, yep. And, and then not only that, but they're humans and that, you know, energy is very contagious. Mm-hmm. So if you're nervous, 
and you're awkward, mm-hmm. they're going to be nervous and awkward mm-hmm. because you pass that to them. And mm-hmm. so now your whole interview process is awkward and all they know about working with you is that it's going to be awkward. Yep. You know, yep. <laughs> so you're not going to you're not going to get that job. And I remember I interviewed with someone and I thought I did really poorly. It was a mock interview for yeah. Flatiron School. They do mock interviews at the end so that you mm-hmm. kind of have an idea of what feedback you can get back. And he thought I did really well and that yeah. I just needed to talk through more of my process rather than yeah. thinking in my head. I was scared to share my thoughts because I wasn't sure that they would be good enough. And it really relaxed me. And after that, I started like killing interviews, mm-hmm. just, Crush. just crushing them. But I also started applying to companies differently based on their interview process. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, you know, the lessons are going to keep coming back from you, back to you until you learn them. Mm-hmm. I think another point that you brought up is the fact that um, people work with people that they like. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're going to be awkward, then no, nobody wants to be yeah. around awkward people or just be you. Don't hold yourself back. Nobody yeah. wants to be around fake people. So don't pretend right. to be somebody that you're right. not. Right? So be super real. But then you, you narrow things down to a certain list. I mean, we're getting closer to the to the step to where you got to Stitch Fix. I remember as you were crushing interviews, you listened to a podcast episode that we talked about. Yes. I think it was Mana's, mm-hmm. Mana Callen's podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, he's at Stitch Fix. And what stood out to you about that podcast episode and why did you ask for that intro? So, well, okay. So there's a, there's a, there's a misstep there, right? Initially, so I listened to, I listened to Mana's episode because you told me to. Oh, um, there it is. The primary, <laughs> the, well, you told me to listen to all of them. Yeah. And really what I got out of that was just different advice on how to approach things. Like I listened to your brother's episode and I realized, oh, this is how I can find people's email addresses. I can <laughs> be a better stalker this way. You know, I can be a better stalker this way. And one of the things that I really took from that that worked for me because I knew I had limited time resources was I'm not going to send the pass until there's someone to receive it. I did mm. not put in applications at companies where I had not spoken to someone mm-hmm. because I'm like, my resume is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Iris has fixed it. My career coach has fixed it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And my resume is not getting kicked out by some random algorithm who doesn't mm-hmm. know how awesome I am. I need to talk to somebody who can get my resume in front mm-hmm. of someone. Mm-hmm. And so I listened to Mana's, Mana's podcast. I was really impressed with just his tenacity in general. Mm-hmm. Just everything he attacks turns to gold. Mm-hmm. Like he, and, but he attacks it with a, a level of tenacity that really just doesn't allow for anything else. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really thinking about Stitch Fix as a company. What really happened is that someone on Twitter tagged me in a manager at Stitch Fix's post saying mm. that they were hiring. Interesting. Mm. And I've been obsessed with Stitch Fix for forever, just mm-hmm. like as a company. Like I've mm-hmm. always wanted them, but couldn't afford their services. Mm-hmm. You know, their app was in my phone. And so I sent out, again, I didn't want to send the pass without anybody to receive it. So mm. I sent out an email to that manager in the middle of the night, I got her email from Clearbit. Shout out to Clearbit. <laughs> Shout out to Clearbit. Shout out to David for to telling David. you about yeah. Clearbit. And I, and I actually had a conversation with David too. Most of the people I was reaching out to, some people I reached out to not for, not for them to put my resume in front of people, but to get advice, mm-hmm. you know, on how to move forward in the job search and, you know, what kind of companies I should look out for. And David really kind of helped me tune my mind to, you know, where do you want to work? Yeah. You know, like this is an interview for them too. Where do you want to work? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't have to go for a company that's going to pay you $225,000 a year. Mm-hmm. How much money do you want to make? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what kind of company do you want to work for? What kind of benefits are important to you? Mm-hmm. To you, you mm-hmm. know, they're, it's not just that you're getting a company. They're getting you. Where do you exactly. want to work? And so when I, when I reached out to the manager there, I sent a very, very Keisha email. Mm-hmm. A very Keisha email. A thousand percent. <laughs> a thousand. It might have been a little much. I gave up. <laughs> All of it, um, <laughs> you know, and at that point, 
I was like, oh, that's right. Man works at Stitch Fix. Mm -hmm. Let me talk to him. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things on Stitch Fix's website is that they were looking for bright and kind people. Hmm. And one of the priorities that Iris helped me realize was like a number one priority for me was that I wanted to work somewhere where my coworkers felt more like friends than coworkers. Mm -hmm. I'm very extroverted. Other people's energy affects me and I didn't want to work in a hostile work environment. Mm -hmm. And so, and I had had someone else who I had a coffee meet with that talked to me about red flags for what hostile work environments look like. And you know, anybody can put anything on a website. Nobody goes on their website and says, our culture is trash mm-hmm. and you're going to hate working here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I reached out to Mana to get insight about what it was really like to work for Stitch Fix. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I've been a little racist in, in reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. I reach out to the black people at companies oh, yeah. because I'm black. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to just know what it's like to work there. I mm-hmm. want to know what it's like to be brown and work there, mm-hmm. you know? And so I reached out to Mana. I also reached out to another Flatiron student who worked there. I reached out to that manager. I put feelers out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Many people, whoever will respond to me, mm-hmm. you know, and there was another guy who worked for Stitch Fix who lived in Atlanta. I met with him for coffee all before Kate all even before responded. Right? Yeah. All before she even responded all to my preparing email. preparing for the interview. Yeah. Because, you know, I wanted to know, mm-hmm. you know. And then when she, re- after my first meeting with Mana, so Mana asked me to walk him through one of my projects <laughs> and I couldn't even pull up my GitHub link. So, I was confused. I, I remember when you, when you called me after that like, conversation, well. you were like, it was terrible. But then the next thing I know, you got an offer from Steve. I'm like, wait, huh? So, so he asked me about a project I was proud of. I showed him the demo link, but I couldn't get the GitHub to work. Mind you, I'm sharing my screen. I couldn't find it in my repo. So really, I'm looking like I stole somebody else's project. And man is like, yeah, why don't, I, why don't we meet up every Wednesday and we could talk about getting you a project that you could show off? It was the most embarrassing thing ever. And then the next, and I had already had a call scheduled with Kate. And the next day, she canceled the call. Mm. She said, hey, lights went out in my apartment. I'm not going to be able to do today. And I was wow. Like, Damn, I messed it up. (laughs) You know, it's like I messed it up. I kept talking to people, though. And at the time I was interviewing with a company, this was the second time that Ruben told me not to put all my eggs in one basket. I was super excited about that. Oh, man, you were all about it. He was like, and you talk to the CEO, tell them about me. I was like, uh-uh. I'm (laughs) I was obsessed with them. And I interviewed with them for, I think, three months total. So by the time I got to final rounds with Stitch Fix, I was in final rounds with them right around the same time. But I kept, even though she, she canceled on me, I kept talking to people because I didn't want to cancel, you know, meetups and calls. And she hit me back and was like, hey, I'm ready to reschedule our call. And I was surprised because I thought I'd been ghosted. <laughs> and then she was like, thank you for being understanding. And that interview went really well. It was a culture fit interview, but it went really well. We connected. We were supposed to talk for half an hour. It went 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And she just kept setting up more rounds. And I told myself, I said, well, you gave her 100% Keisha in the first email mm-hmm. and you got an interview. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to go 100% next time. Mm-hmm. It was really nerve wracking because I was giving both companies 100%. And while I felt like the first company did like me, I also kind of had a feeling that they were waiting for another candidate, yeah. waiting for a better candidate. I kept getting that feeling. And one of It the wasn't most- you first. It didn't feel like me first. Yeah, and it it really like didn't. Because that's it what your like, resolution was. Yeah. It felt like, <laughs> and, and you know, and they expressed to me that they were fielding other candidates, but they wouldn't quite give me a rejection letter. Mm-hmm. They were just fielding other candidates. And I really wanted to work for them. But as I was interviewing with Stitch Fix, I was getting more and more excited. And they seemed excited about me, mm-hmm. you know, and that was a really good feeling. Um, so when the offer came in for them, I was still waiting on a final round interview from the other company. 
and Kate called me and one of the things that really sold me on it was that she seemed super excited to be making me an offer. Mm -hmm. She seemed really excited. Mm -hmm. And that meant I was in the phone silent screaming on the phone while my husband was recording. I was like, oh my God, this is them. This is them. This is them. This is them. Hi. Yeah. Hey, Kate. How are you? You know? And I remember I sent an email out to the other company because, you know, I was going to accept the offer on the spot. And Iris was like, what? No. <laughs> Follow the format. You negotiate. You send them to the company. I don't care how excited you are. Don't let them know you're excited. Keisha, like, you do this the right way. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> uh, 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 she really got me. Trust the process. Trust the process, you know? And I sent them an email and I was like, hey, I've got an offer on the table. They didn't even respond. And that, that was like, and not only did they not respond, but in conjunction with that, everyone on the team from Stitch Fix that I interviewed with, everyone on the team sent me a message within half an hour to 45 minutes, heard that they made an offer so excited Amazing. for me to join the team. Every, I got like five emails. Wow. That's and awesome. then they had a written offer in my inbox within an hour of the phone call. Wow. Almost like they had it prepared already mm -hmm. yeah. and just sent it off to me. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, they want to work with me. And the yeah. offer was like... I mean, way, I almost started crying. It was way beyond what I was expecting for the Atlanta market yep. in the first place. What is the Atlanta market? And can you kind of like at least give the range? Yeah, or? absolutely. So in Atlanta, you can kind of expect to make between 65 and 75 on average in Atlanta, which to be as honest- As a junior engineer, right? Yeah, as a junior developer, yeah. right? That's that's starting rate anywhere between zero and one, years, one year experience mm -hmm. coming in. And to be honest, that goes pretty far in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to be balling, but you're going to be balling. Yeah, you're going to be balling a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to be dunking on people. But you're going to be crossing people yeah, over. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's good money. It's good money. And they gave me, they offered me well above that. Yeah. 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 They offered me well above that. And I, I negotiated. I didn't, I didn't want to, but I did. I mean, Stitch Fix has a really interesting, really kind of amazing policy when it comes to compensation. Yeah. And so that negotiation didn't go anywhere, but I was okay with it. Yeah. Because I knew that I was valued there and I really wanted to work there. So I signed the offer before I even heard from, back from yeah. the other company. And I just sent them another email telling them that I accepted it. And the beauty of that is that the other candidate that I felt like they were waiting for yeah. was a cohort mate of mine from Flatiron. And he got the offer 24 wow. hours after I told them that I wasn't going to, oh, that wow. I accepted something Amazing. else. Amazing. So we Amazing. both came out. That's how we both came out winning. And yeah. I was like, I told him, I said, this could not have worked yeah. out. Any better way than it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Plus, your position is also remote, so you could spend more time with your kids. Oh my gosh. That, that part was like the blessing I didn't ask for. Mm -hmm. I yeah. definitely expected to be in an office. I did not apply for remote positions. I didn't know Stitch Fix was a remote position until I was in the first round interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I didn't know where they were. I didn't know that they were in San Francisco. I just saw the tweet and I was like, it's Stitch Fix. And the person, the person who tagged me, was again someone that I met some kind of way through Career Karma. I met him through Narondo. And he just tagged me and was like, you should do this so that you can take <laughs> me out for tacos. <laughs> well, I think this is an important point because you're based in Atlanta. The company's in San Francisco. Yeah. A lot of people don't apply. They're like, why are you giving me companies in San Francisco when I'm in Atlanta? And Ruben beat me up on that. Keisha, yeah. did you apply? Matter of fact, <laughs> very early on, I applied for a job that had a San Francisco. And I was like, ah, oh, the apprenticeships in San Francisco. And he was like, you are limiting yourself. That's limiting language. Put in the application. And so I started applying, you know, every, the truth is you don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't know. And Stitch Fix, I don't even know if Kate hadn't posted it on her Twitter, I don't know how I would have found the opening in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because not all of the job openings are online. Even the company that I, that my second choice that I was, 
waiting on. When I went to talk to them, they weren't hiring. Most jobs, this is an important point. Most jobs aren't online and they come through referral. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them. I actually have not really done too many interviews with people who, where I just sent in a cold interview mm-hmm. yeah. at yeah. all. And this company, they, they literally, they, yeah, we weren't looking to hire until the end of the year. That's why the application process took so long Yeah, because they weren't looking to hire. And then when, when they interviewed with me, they were like, oh, we like you. So they opened up the position. I don't think any of the people that we've ever hired at Career Karma have ever been a job that we posted online. We don't have a, like, <laughs> yeah. Career Karma doesn't have an online uh, career I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that people don't get hired that way. But every interview that I did that went past level one was because yeah. I made a good impression on someone. Yeah. yeah. And especially, I think for if someone has a couple of years of experience, then applying online could work because... Mm-hmm. A lot of the algorithms that sort it out, if they see that you didn't work as a software engineer before, like you're, the chances of that in, that resume getting past the filter is pretty like close to zero. I so, interviewed I interviewed with a a company that literally had six thousand applicants in one week. Mm-hmm, yeah, they don't accept anyone without a degree. They don't accept anyone with previous experience. They don't accept bootcamp grads. Mm-hmm. I got in because somebody recommended yeah. me. I went in for a coffee meet. And I told him the same thing. I told him, I don't send the pass if I can't. And he said, send the pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And most bootcamp grads also limit themselves because they'll be like, oh, I don't see a junior engineering position on the website. Right. So I'm not going to apply there. But in reality, like there's a lot of jobs that are just not on the website. They're not, not every company keeps it updated. So reaching out to a person on the engineering team or part of their tech org is the best way to get an internal referral. And they'll make sure you someone will look at your resume. Another thing that I, I kind of realized is that, you know, a lot of times the job description is like their wish list. Yep. Exactly. And sometimes sometimes the position is open because mm. I haven't found anybody to hit yeah, the wish list. Yeah, exactly. I accidentally applied for a senior position <laughs> and got the world's best rejection letter ever. They were so impressed that I applied for a senior position in the first place. <laughs> and they referred me to another company exactly. that was hiring for junior developers exactly. in the first place. And mind you, that didn't turn into anything. But, still, but the fact that it that it went that route yeah. was amazing. And then I had a company reach out to me that was like, initially, we were looking for mid to senior levels. We haven't been able to find what we're looking for, but we're a, med, a medical company. We're in med tech. And you have medical background. And so we really want to see how you would do in the interview process. Yeah, I've gotten some of the greatest lessons from rejection letters or yeah. failing things and things yeah. like that. So I think that's good. I love the way that you described that a lot of times job descriptions are a wish list, but that doesn't mean that you have to have that in order to get the job. That's a super important point to bring up because people will read something and be like, oh, I can't do this because this is what they're looking right. for, including the college degree. And I think what Archer brought up related to algorithms, if you think about big companies that are getting thousands of applications yes, per day, yeah. they really don't have enough time to go through all the resumes. So they're just going to filter what they can. But even at the big companies like Facebook and Google, right. the majority of the jobs come through referral. That's a fact. So anyway. and, and Stitch Fix is a way bigger company than I than I really kind of wrapped my head around. And again, the only reason that I even I don't think if I had just submitted an application and just let it be mm-hmm. that I would have gotten through. I don't yeah. if I hadn't reached out to Kate directly, yeah. that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah no doubt. No doubt. That's kind of like the power of Twitter, but also the power of like the reason we ask our community to tweet and build that habit during the 21 day challenge to tweet their progress is because you want to get people to buy into your story and you want people yeah. to know that you exist, that you're undertaking this journey and making it public so people can support you. Mm-hmm. Like I think one of the reasons why your GoFundMe did so well is because by the time you started the GoFundMe, you yeah. literally posted every single yeah. day by your journey. 
and people were excited to see you win. Like yeah. people in tech yeah. want to see more people break into yeah. tech who are moms, who are veterans. Just there is a big um, like push to get more people into tech from mm -hmm. different backgrounds. Yep. But you got to put yourself out there and tweet and share your struggles so people can help you with them. Yeah. Related to that, I mean, I know we're going too deep, uh, very deep on this, but mm -hmm. when you said that all the Stitch Fix people made you an offer, I mean, said congratulated you on yeah. your offer. A lot of these co companies spend a lot of money interviewing people. They don't yes, want to do. spend so much money interviewing. They want a reason to hire you. Yeah. So if you could give them a reason to hire you, like they'll love to save time and money not going through a bunch of people they don't want. And then not only that, but like, just as a word to you, you know, underrepresented communities, they underestimated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Underestimated communities. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> the amount of available support that's out there is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. They're looking for you. And a lot of times we're not putting ourselves out there. Mm -hmm. So they're casting this wide net mm -hmm. and they're still only catching the same fish because you're mm -hmm. not showing up, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and one of the questions that I am at this point notorious for asking is, you know, what's your company's commitment to diversity and inclusion in terms of race, religion, and gender? Mm -hmm. That's like one of my big questions. And they're always like, you know, we're, you could see the freshers, like, we're working on it. We're just, we're trying to figure out like where we can get like a, a better pool. And so we're like, we've been reaching out to these kind of places thinking maybe we'll get more people. But, but the truth is, it's like in their mind, the pool of people that they're getting are primarily white, male, and rich anyway. Yeah. They want more people in that pool, mm -hmm. but we're not showing up for for whatever the reason is. And so yeah. I really want to encourage people like, you know, put yourself out there yeah. because the support is available yeah. and they, they want to give it to you. It's about really showing up to receive it and, and acknowledging that you deserve it yeah. and not being apologetic about like, Oh, I really hope that maybe you'll, you know, yeah. but Hey, I need your support. Yeah. And then being willing to receive that or and open to receiving and it. Tying that to the beginning with the challenge where you're reaching out to all these different people. Yeah. You mentioned during the job search, you reached out to the black people. But even if you're not black, if you're a mom, reach out to yes. the other moms. Reach out to other company. moms. Yeah. Reach out to other bootcamp grads. Reach yes. out to other college dropouts or high school dropouts yes. or Latinx people or LGBT people. Like yes. whatever, your people are going to look out for each other because yes. they know what that struggle feels like. Mm -hmm. I can't relate to everybody. Archer can't relate to everybody. Mm -hmm. You can't relate to everybody, but we all we got. So yeah. you have somebody to you have someone to relate to. Yeah. And we have, and and I can from experience, like I know for me, there's an eagerness to be able to reach back and pull people in. And there are most of the people that are out there have that same intensity. They want to help you. Yeah. They want to. So sometimes when I go on LinkedIn, my filters, I'm looking for other Flatiron graduates to see if this company's hired from Flatiron mm -hmm. yeah. and then get that Flatiron graduate to tell me, hey, what's it like to transition and what should I do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're always willing. I've literally not had a single person say, no, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I don't want to help you do that. Yeah. Not a single person. I've gotten rejections from companies, but not from people yeah, who have asked for struggle, support. Even, exactly. even on that, their own personal struggle, mm -hmm. they know like the struggle of... Uh, learning a new skill, yes. finding a job, getting rejected. And that's something that's common for pretty much everyone that's been through this journey. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm curious, like now that you're actually kind of like towards the end of this journey, or at least the end of the beginning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, what, like now that you actually know how to code, like, like tell the people that might be beginning to learn to code, what is it like knowing how to code? What is like, tell us about like that power and what do you think you can do with that power? Mm. Oh man. Um I feel like it goes back to my first video mm -hmm. of putting a new set of tools in my toolbox. Mm -hmm. 
because I don't really feel like a different person. I thought I was going to, mm-hmm. that I would kind of morph into a coder. I really feel like the same person with like different weapons. Ooh. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's what it really feels like. Whereas before, you know, the tools that I had to improve my life and to get fulfillment and to add value to the world were, you know, music and teaching and people skills and loving on people is a really good, uh, is a really big uh, skill that I have for me. It's a big tool in my toolbox. Now I can add, you know, creating software and solving problems differently and mm-hmm. error handling. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I use error handling like very figuratively. Mm-hmm like error handling in my real life. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, I tried to talk to my kid and I got back an error. (laughs) 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 What is that error telling me though, Uh you know? And so I feel like I have a new set of tools, which is kind of awesome because I'm only at the beginning. Like I'm a junior developer Mm -hmm. and there was so much more to learn. There's so much more mastery to pursue. So much Um, more money to get. I mean, (laughs) so much more money to get. So much more. (laughs) Um, it's interesting. I've been, uh, today is day two at Stitch Fix for me and I feel poor in the, <laughs> in the building and not even so much more money, you know, cause money doesn't buy happiness. Money buys options. Oof. And so now it's like moving into January. It's like, where do I want to send my kids to school? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what do I want to do with the money that I get? How do mm-hmm. I want to get, cause I really want to give back. Mm-hmm. How do I want to give back? Mm-hmm. What does that look like for me? And I, and I have ideas already, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so it just feels like I have, you know, more tools in my toolbox. Yeah. Stitch Fix is a, is a billion dollar company run by a female CEO. Mm-hmm. And we got the same like? last name too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Her, last na- her first initial is K and her last name is Lake. I just Uh-oh. feel like we're cousins. Uh-oh. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm a hugger in person to be like, hey cousin. You know what I'm saying? But that part is amazing mm-hmm. um, because in Katrina Lake was, I learned a lot about her history in the last couple of days when she was a regular human being who kind of had a very similar path and early in college, wanting to find something that would create more fulfillment for her as opposed to just putting money in the bank. And to to see like a regular run of the mill person get to the top of a billion dollar company opens the world of possibilities. One of the things that I've really been reflecting on the last couple of days is there are a lot of people in the world who do not know that there are this many options available to them. Mm, yeah, and yeah. just that exposure alone kind of broadens your idea of what you should do. Like, Right now, after having learned to code, I really feel more brave. Like maybe I do want to take ballet classes, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I do want to go skydiving. Mm-hmm. It's not as scary. I've done a scary thing this year. And so other things feel a lot less scary. Yep. And, and so again, you know, fear is the enemy. If the reason you're, you're not going to break into tech is because you're afraid and you should definitely break into tech. And I remember when you made this tweet about ballet class and all these things. Yeah. You all, right before that, you talked about the number 22. Can you talk about the number 22 real quick? Yo. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I can't remember what happened on February 22nd. Something happened you February 22nd. Flatiron, right? Yes. February or, 22nd. No, uh, GoFundMe. Yes. February 22nd is when I raised the money for the GoFundMe. April 22nd was my first day of class. Mm-hmm. And November 22nd is when I got the offer. Boom. Big, big, yeah, big, big. and that was that was huge for me because my main goal at the beginning of the year, or once I started boot camp, was to have a job to be grateful for by Thanksgiving. And about a week before I had the offer, I started this whole thing on Twitter: attitude of gratitude, what I'm grateful for today. And I just started that process of what I was grateful for, faith and hope being one of them. And to actually, I signed the offer two days before Thanksgiving. Blessings, blessings. Yeah. And before going into the lightning round, yeah. 
I mentioned you talked about you how you had this amazing husband that that had to hold down for it. <laughs> and you have beautiful kids that you also working yeah. hard for. Can you talk about your husband, your kids, um, and and how they feel now, and maybe how they were feeling during the whole process? During the process, yeah. So you know, my my daughter has been like kind of very ride or die, right? Early on, she was like, you know, so are you not going to be able to? I think I missed a recital for the first time. And, mm. and I was like, you know, if you rock with me for the next couple of months, we will decorate your locker however you want to. <laughs> um, and she was like, uh-uh, I want some Jordans. And I was like, all right, sis, you know, you rock with me, get Jordans. And there were times when, you know, I'm home and I'm tired. And I'm like, I don't want to do homework. And she's like, you better get your homework done because I want some Jordans. You know what I mean? Um, and so as I'm interviewing, she's like, how'd the interview go? You know, we've been video chatting the last couple of days. How's it going? Did you get the job? Are you, you know? Um, so that's been great. My husband has been an incredible support, albeit a silent support. He's not a man of like many words. So there's not like poetry happening here. But it was like, you know, at one point, midway through the boot camp, I could not keep up with that one gig a week. Mm-hmm. But it was paying for childcare. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I was like, I'm losing too much time. That's time I should be studying, doing homework, or at the least, at the very least, not out until midnight, coming home, trying to get sleep. Because I was nodding off during mm-hmm. lectures. Mm-hmm. And he was like, stop doing the gigs. I'll just, I'll just take him with me to work. You know, oh, yeah. and, you know, my son is friendly and chatty and he pushes the faders in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was a big deal. And he, you know, held down the bills, paid, paid all of the, whatever the remaining bills were while I was in. And <laughs> it was funny. And when I did my, my demo day to demonstrate my final project and people were in there talking shit about my project. My husband was like, actually, this project is dope because, hold on, so babe, did you show him this part? You know what I'm saying? And when I was doing interviews, again, it was like he was planning. So he sets his own schedule, but he was rescheduling clients to work around my interviews and no, go do the interview. I'll keep him downstairs, go upstairs and take the phone call. You know, very like active support. And it it wasn't, you know, babe, I'm so proud of you and blah, blah, blah. It was way more important than that. So, and I mean, it's not to say that it wasn't without rocky times, you know what I mean? Because being in a boot camp and doing this process puts way more stress on your family and your relationship than you realize. The time that you spend coding is time away from your partner. It's time that you are not going on dates, time that you are not bonding. And really prior to this, I was helping my husband manage the studio. I was taking phone calls. I am really good with people. I was dealing with difficult clients. I was making sure people made good on money that they were supposed to be paying and I wasn't able to do that during boot camp. I stopped taking calls altogether. Yeah. I started telling people to reach out to him. And so you really kind of had to be on his own. And so it's really important to note that like, if you have a family, you are not the only one doing the boot camp. Yeah. Everyone is breaking into tech. The whole family. <laughs> Legacy. Everyone is doing this. But on the flip side of that, you know, everybody comes out on the positive side. You know, yeah. this extra money that I make means that there's a lot less pressure on the business to make a million dollars right now that he can mm-hmm. focus on long-term growth as opposed to immediate, mm-hmm. you know, so it gives me an opportunity to now turn around and support him yeah. as well, you know, moving That's forward. Huge. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And last question, because I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast, a lot of them haven't even like stepped into a tech company before. Yeah. And I guess like two days ago, you started your first day at Stitch Yee! Fix. So what was it like stepping into the tech company and knowing that this is going to be a place you work? It has been kind of surreal. It's been kind of surreal. I feel a little bit like I'm on TV. Uh, Stitch Fix has really kind of spoiled me in the last couple of days. I have never been in a hotel with a soaker tub 
<laughs> so I took advantage of that. I've never worked for a company that has like a refrigerator full of free everything, including wine and beer. And they're like, oh, we restocked just good. They had free avocados. <laughs> you know how expensive avocados are? You just be handing them out to customers for free. But aside from that, like I think one of the things I really loved about Stitch Fix is everybody at Stitch Fix is drinking the Stitch Fix Kool-Aid. Mm. They believe in their mission statement and their mission across every department. And I've met every department in the last two days. And then not only that, but walking in, meeting the VP of engineering and them saying, Rose, right? That's dope. Oh my God. That's hella dope. Everybody. I'm like, how do you know what I look like? You've never seen me before. Have you never seen me before? Are you guys like, you have pictures? Like, you know? And then I went out to dinner last night with one of the people who could fire the people who could fire me. You know? Um, and he's like, oh, let's order dessert. No, get what you want. Let's get, let's get a bottle of wine for the table. It's a whole different world. And it felt good to know that I would be a part of like some of the amazing things. Like I'd be working for like warehouse automation. So I'm getting to really put my hands on things that actually affect the company. And that was another big thing on my list that I wanted to have tangible impact. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to just be answering tickets. Mm-hmm. And to be able to see that what I do, what I create makes an impact, not on a very small level in terms of how each client interacts with our product, as well as in terms of the company's bottom line, that I can be, I can make a difference in millions of dollars. And you're mentioning that you're going to be working on warehouse automation. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned in the pre-chat that you worked at UPS when you were trying to make your bills meet, you were (laughs) at UPS lifting boxes. Uh, yeah. Not too long ago. Yeah, I did. At, at one point to make ends meet, I worked overnight during busy season. I worked a 16 hour shift on Black Friday. Dang. I mean, boxes were taller than I was, you know, bags of boxes, like 60 pounds. I was getting paper cuts from cardboard boxes and I bruised my hip one time on the conveyor belt, just really hustling to do it. And now I'm going to have the opportunity to use coding to make the warehouse experience like from a worker's perspective, easier. That mm-hmm. like that part of it was awesome. One of my least favorite parts of working in the warehouse is building boxes. Our team works on automation to make sure that our warehouse workers don't have to do that That's to awesome. improve their quality of life mm-hmm. so that there's not as high a turnover rate for them as there was for me working at UPS. Yeah, amazing. You know? And we met warehouse workers today and they're drinking the Kool-Aid. They yeah. love working at Stitch Fix. And part of that is because of the warehouse automation team. So that's like amazing for me that I still get to do purpose-driven work. I feel yeah. like I'm mm-hmm. making a difference for people who are living the life that I've lived before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Awesome. So yeah, at this point, we're going to head into the lighting round and um, we're looking for like tactical advice that okay. our listeners can apply to their career search. So I'll kick it off with our classic first question, okay. which is if you moved to a brand new city, you only had $100 and you were trying to break, in into, break into tech from all over again. What would you do and how would you spend that $100? Okay. $100? Let's say your shelter was taken care of, but how would you apply that $100 to break into tech? Uh, There are several very, 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 very good courses online that you can take that are like $10, $12. I would spend my money there. Can you shout out any courses? Yeah, absolutely. So Udemy has some great courses and a lot of them are free, to be honest. You may may not even need to spend your whole $100. Maybe you spend your $100 on coffee at like Starbucks so Mm -hmm. that you can sit there for free. Lambda's pre-course work was amazing. That was really kind of what led me to really believe that I love coding. Most boot camps, their pre-course work is free, available online. 
But if you really want to delve deeper into it, Udemy has some great courses that are like $10, $12 or pay for a month or two of LinkedIn learning. Their courses are like amazing. And if you just sign up for LinkedIn premium, then you get access to all of them. I think it's like $30 a month. So $100 would buy you three months of LinkedIn yeah. premium. And you get a first free month or something yeah, like that. Yeah, first as well. month is free. Yeah. First month is free. And then you get the next three for free. I actually did LinkedIn learning free the first month because I was like, whatever, in 30 days, I'll figure out if I want to do this or not. You know, and then create a new account. And then create a new account with a different email address. You know, um, no, I didn't do that. But um, yeah, I think that's what I, what I would do. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay, so a lot of people when they first come to career karma, they're debating whether they should do college, community college, or or boot camps, or just like be self taught. And so I know we mentioned that you spent ten years in college. Yeah, and you're clearly winning right now. But I don't think a lot of people know that you actually didn't finish college. No. So can yeah. you talk about like, since you've had perspective across uh-huh. the board about everything and people, there's new reports about whether like people, our generation not seeing college as important mm-hmm. as much, even though we've all been in it and we've learned a lot from it. What is your thoughts about people choosing college or boot camp or doing self-taught? And what advice do you have for your kids in that regard? You have to do what's right for you. Mm-hmm. That's really, really important. If there's no such thing as a right path, mm-hmm. there's only the path that works for you. And that what path works for you is going to vary based on where you are in life. If you have no kids and you want a college experience and you're 19, you want to live on campus and go to campus parties. Hell yeah, go to college. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if you got money. If you don't want to be in debt, but you have some money mm-hmm. and or you qualify for an ISA, you want to do a full time program. Go to boot camp. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any of that, teach yourself. Mm-hmm. Again, free courses online. You know what's really cheaper than boot camp? LinkedIn Learning, thirty dollars a month. Definitely mm-hmm. cheaper than boot camp. Mm-hmm. And there's support out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. I mean, for starters, there's definitely career karma. There's a whole community of people who can help you along that path. But you have to be honest with yourself about what it is that you need and what you don't need. Yep. You have to be super honest about that. If you are not a self-driven person with great time management skills, don't teach yourself anything. Mm-hmm. Go find a teacher. You know what I mean? If you're not the kind of person who can sit sit at home and do it, go find a classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have $15,000 up front, but you know that you're going to qualify for federal funding, go find a college. You know, it's really about what you want to do. And for my kids, like I tell my daughter all the time, is that mommy doesn't really believe in college. That's just real life. I believe that college is for people who their their degree requires mm-hmm. a college degree. What, what they want to do requires a college degree. Mm-hmm. And what they're going to make in that industry mm-hmm. is actually going to pay back whatever yep. they have either spent in college or took out loans for. Yep. Right. So in general, I don't really believe in degrees for things that pay less than $100,000 a year yep. because you're going to owe about that much by the time you're done with four years at a quality school. Yeah. So this is this is about you. This is not about the education system today is about what you need, where you are in life, what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and that does not always mean college. Yeah. I think that's good advice. And given that you are a musician and you all run a studio, uh, what kind of music did you listen to when you were going hard or when you were feeling down or that pumped you up to want to hustle or whatever? Soka. Soka. Okay. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Passe. <laughs> Let me see your raise. Uh-huh. That was my song. Um, I listen to I listen to a lot of soca music. I also listen to a lot of inspirational music that kind of regurgitated the self talk that I wanted for myself. If I didn't have the courage to say it, or if I was still really teary eyed, you know, a little Indiari. Mm-hmm. 
Jill Scott, depending on what kind mm-hmm. of mood I was trying to be in, you know, but anything that made me feel good, typically in the mornings mm-hmm. on the bus ride in, I'd have a little gospel playing in my head, yeah. um, something to kind of reconnect me to something that's bigger than boot camp, mm-hmm. that's bigger than whether or not I pass this, that mm-hmm. gives me a purpose beyond what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of that. I listened to a lot of Corinne Hawthorne. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Won't he do it? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that, yeah that, <laughs> was, that was definitely my jam, but mostly soca music. During every coding challenge, I had soca music. <laughs> yep. It was just, hey. you know, just... <laughs> Just whining a little bit in my seat while I was coding. <laughs> I to do that sometimes. I do it sometimes. <laughs> One more question. Mm-hmm. Where does your ambition come from? So I'm kind of a perfectionist. Uh, the standard that I set for myself is a lot higher than the standard that other people set for me. I really and truly do not particularly care what other people's opinion of me and what I've done is. And that's been kind of a tricky place because I'm, most people perceive me as smart and talented, but for me, I'm like, I know, I know what I'm capable of doing mm-hmm. and I want to hit that. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to be doing. So, you know, my teachers be, oh, you got an A and I'm like, yeah, but I didn't put in a hundred percent to get that. So A doesn't really mean anything to me. For me, it's accomplishing something. This is the only thing I've done that's made me feel truly accomplished. Music came very naturally to me when I joined the band because that was jazz, that made me feel accomplished. It was something outside of my comfort zone, something I didn't really know how to do, that I fought for, that I put in 100%. That was the same thing here. And that is, that's what really drives me. I want to do the best that I can do. The other thing that really drives me is other people. I'm yeah. a very other-centered person. Mm-hmm. I want to help. I want to leave the world better than I found it. And I firmly believe that you can improve the world just by you know improving the world of the people who are right here in your sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. And that that'll kind of, trickle out so you just you know, change the world with one person or you know, mm. one line of code or whatever it is and that kind of continues to to push me forward and give me purpose well, mm. shout out to you shout out to the first member of FST squad landing their job Woo. right yeah. shout out and, to making new year's resolutions right and choosing <laughs> yourself and making it happen in the same year it's, it's a this is the first episode of 2020 so if you all are thinking about a new year a new career you're inspired by Keisha make sure you follow her story Watch your videos. What's the best way to, to get in touch with you? Twitter. You can reach reach me at Keisha Lake, K-E-S-H-A-L-A-K-E, or Keisha Lake Music, same thing, at gmail.com. You can reach out to me on the Career Karma app. I've been checking my messages and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there's, definitely, there's definitely a rose listening to this episode that's going to hit you up. So I'm excited about like so many more stories that are going to come after you yeah. being inspired the same way that Iris inspired you and kept you confident and in your journey. I'm excited to see the next rose that's going to be on this podcast oh, next beautiful. year. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right. Without further ado, let's break in. Let's break in. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought in the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in. Let's break in.